Hello, everyone, and welcome to Privacy Tech Talk, the podcast where we talk everything privacy technologies. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Jeremy from Locker, a company keeping websites safe from third-party data breaches and data leakages. We're very, very excited to have you on. Thank you, Jeremy, so much for joining us. You're welcome. Jeremy, <laughs> I know you, you speak a little bit of Spanish, so I have to say bienvenido and gracias for this time. Uh, so talking about the product, talking about the solution, think of me, I know I am not, but think of me as a five-year-old, as if I was your favorite nephew, and you have to explain <laughs> to me what is it that your product do and how it works. Yeah, you know how you go onto the internet and you use different websites and you look at different information and you click different buttons. Well, all that information is being tracked. And sometimes it's so that the websites can provide you better services and personalize things for you because your experience is different than my experience. And the people who own those websites want to make sure that you're seeing things that you like. But with all of that information collection, sometimes there are people who are collecting information and then selling it to somebody else without your permission or watching what you do, not just on their website, but on other websites and your history of how you're using the internet. And then they're going to use that information to try to market to you or sell to you other products and services that you may or may not be interested in. They're also looking at information as to where you are and who you are and what your interests are, even who your friends are and what they're doing. And so it's gotten to a point where using the web has become less and less private. And that information is being collected and used by big companies to sell your information, market things to you, try to sell you things. So our product at Locker is intended to give website owners the ability to control what they're collecting and what they're sharing with other partners. Probably four years ago, when I was working in cybersecurity on the insurance part of the business, where we were seeing lots and lots of companies who were struggling to stay ahead of cyber criminals. And so much of the cyber crime activity is very smart, very savvy technologists exploiting things on the internet that allow them to get access to data or to people, you know, through, through websites. And in the cybersecurity business, so much of what we were doing was responding to things that had already happened. And I really wanted to get ahead of that and say, well, rather than just being the business of after something has happened, how do we fix it? I wanted to put more of my efforts into how do we prevent these things from happening in the first place? And, you know, there was a, there was a movie, a documentary that came out a couple of years ago. Mm. Are you talking about the social dilemma? That social dilemma. I, yeah, yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. And that really struck a nerve with me. And I realized I'm sitting in a position in a cybersecurity role in insurance and seeing these happen and really realizing that what's most vulnerable in, in the world uh, related to the vulnerabilities of the internet is that the human beings are being exploited. And yes, the financial loss is terrible. And when data is stolen, it's terrible. But really what's at stake is how human beings are being exploited and how information is being manipulated. And I thought to myself, how do I take what I know and refocus it on fixing the way the internet works so that 
you know, there isn't as much ability to funnel information to people's interests and to keep the internet open and to help people feel protected that their information isn't being used to only target them for commercial services or to be marketed to or worse, that information that they see online is so filtered based on all of this data that they're not even seeing the full picture or getting, you know, what I would call truth and balanced information. And I couldn't agree with that more, Jeremy. I think the, what you're describing is many of the reasons why I got into privacy in the first place. It's this idea that we have these sophisticated actors learning about us at such a deep level and then using that information to push us in certain directions. And we lose, we're losing individual autonomy because of this. Can you please, for the benefit of our listeners, dig further into how this happens on the internet, maybe touching up on cookies, describing in some detail how tracking happens, the data broker industry. I, I saw you shared that John Oliver video on your LinkedIn, right. just to give our listeners a better understanding of the mechanics of how all this works. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, the way, the way websites are constructed it's gotten to the point where about only 40% of what a website gets delivered is being delivered directly from that company. There are so many other third-party applications that are being pushed into the browser. So let's, let's take it from that perspective of someone who's, who's on the internet, whether they're using Google Chrome or the you know, Apple Safari or even a Brave browser, right? Those are all windows to the internet that collect you know, the, the information coming from a web server, but they're also introducing into that browser information from lots of other websites. So the idea that the browser is this very vulnerable endpoint where code is being delivered to that user's desktop into the browser and presenting a whole bunch of third parties that are either, you know, providing functionality like serving a video or serving an ad or providing analytics information like, you know, how many people have been to this web page and where are they coming from and what kind of computer are they using, et cetera. And very savvy technologists have figured out we can get a lot of information in that browser session that has to do with their location, what websites they visited in their history, their uh, location data. So the idea that a website isn't just the web content, it's filled up with all sorts of surveillance technology to try to understand who is visiting this web page and what are they doing and what are their interests and how can we collect that information to then manipulate where they go to next. And that bit of code, there's a lot of different ways that they're doing that. And so there's different terms of things. There's cookie information, right, that gets stored in the browser. And that's something that often is persistent, meaning no matter what page you go to, it sits in the browser and that data can be referenced by multiple websites that you go to. There's JavaScript, which is any given site has functionality um, that the JavaScript controls during that website visit that also may be serving information from outside parties or sending information to outside parties. These trackers often, people may be familiar with the idea of a pixel, that there's a little tiny bit of 
code dropped on a web page that isn't necessarily visible or adding functionality to the website, but it's there just to listen or watch, right? What are you doing? Where are you? What are you clicking on? Watching your behavior and then sharing that information with a third party. So let's just stay, that for, stay there for a second. So that's cookies, that's JavaScript, those are tracking pixels. All of those things are intended as some type of surveillance to be able to understand who is this user, what are they doing, what can we learn about them so we can use that information for them later. Is that helpful? That was very helpful. Thank you, Jeremy. Really, uh, you broke it down at a very digestible level. I think even uh, my five-year-old nephew could understand that. <laughs> it gets very complicated how those things show up, and there are you know, several other elements, too, that very sophisticated web developers are using and for lots of different purposes. Sometimes it's all for good reason, right? Sometimes you really need to know what's this person's bandwidth so I know what size image to send them in a web experience or what operating system are they using so that I can optimize the fonts or the typefaces to present in, in a web page or what size video to serve them if they're on a mobile device versus on a desktop. So understanding who the user is and how they're accessing a web page is, is important just to serve the right content in the right format. Unfortunately, bad actors have grabbed onto that same notion and said, oh, well, if I can know those things in a web session, what else can I know? What else about their operating system and their computer or their device or their IP address? How do I grab that information and then start to track that person around and see what other things that they do and what they see so that I can create a profile about them? And then sell that information to a marketer who says, you know, here's somebody who's in this age range, in this location in, in Chicago area, who has interests in sports and has been shopping for mattresses and right. And so all of that information helps create a profile that can then be packaged and sold to marketers without the consumer's understanding or interest or permission. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that, Jeremy. And let me ask you something. Uh, who's the buyer of your solution? Who's, who's the type of individual that comes interested in getting Locker to use that in their organization? Great. Thanks for asking that. So we started Locker with the perspective of this should not be the burden on the consumer, right? It's too complicated. Can you imagine like trying to explain to 300 million Americans about what fingerprinting is and what JavaScript tracking is and what these pixels are? No, we shouldn't have to put the burden on the consumer to figure out what browser to use and what settings in their browser they should be turning on and off. And worse, we have this cookie consent thing that's happening now where every website you go to says, do you agree to these cookies? Well, I don't know. I just want to get access to this article. I just want to get in and you know book my airline ticket. And so I say yes to these things. I don't know what I'm saying yes to, but get me past this screen. And we felt like at Locker, the point isn't to put the burden on the consumer. This is the responsibility of the website owner, right? When you, when you walk in the mall and you want to go into a store, you expect to be welcomed. You expect to be asked if you have any questions. You expect to be cared for as a valued customer, not stopped at the door and asked a, a whole bunch of questions that you don't understand before you can you know, get into that store. And so the idea of a website saying, we're going to create a safe environment. We're going to let you know that this is a trusted place and we want you to come in and do business with us. So at Locker, our whole idea was let's 
provide the website owner or the company tools to create a safer, more trustworthy web experience. And if companies can offer up a, a, a website that is free of unnecessary trackers and isn't collecting information, we don't have to ask their customers for consent. They should just say, we're glad you're here. We want to do business with you. We want to give you a great experience and you can trust us. How do we enable them? How do we power companies to create safer websites that protect their customer information? Let's put the responsibility on the companies that publish these websites and give them better tools. So that's where we started. And so, you know, our customers are the ones that are seeing privacy as a brand value and want to express to their customers how trustworthy they are and that they're not collecting, storing, or selling unnecessary personal information. Perfect. Thank you. And are you working now with a specific size of company, a specific sector, or is your company working with a wide variety of companies? We are working with a wide variety of companies. However, as you can imagine, the most sensitive personal information online is related to healthcare companies, financial services companies, education, and government, municipalities, right? So if you look at those four areas, that's where there's the greatest interest. You know, hospitals want to protect their patient information. Financial services obviously have a lot to protect regarding uh, people's credit card and banking information and sensitive credit information. So that's a lot where we're finding, you know, uh, you know our, our most passionate audience and, and customers. The recent headlines, I mean, this has been a week, man, for, for data privacy, you know, putting some wind in our cells, I would guess too. It's like, I, I hate to sound like I'm excited and happy about lawsuits that are taking place, but to see just in this week alone that the lawsuit against the UCSF Medical Center and Dignity Health and Meta, the Facebook parent, mm-hmm. um, because those hospital websites had tracking pixels from Facebook on their websites that are actually sharing data between a hospital and Facebook. So to see that in the headlines represent that's exactly the issue we're addressing. How do we help hospitals not inadvertently share patient data with a social media network? And I think even with Oracle having tracking technology, right? I know there are some nuances there, but it has been a very big week. I got to ask, Jeremy, one thing that, you know, Carlos and I were discussing before our session here today is that, and I think with Carlos and I, we see this firsthand. So we do know how this happens, but how can these larger institutions not know what trackers are on their website? Yeah, you, you took the question from me because we were discussing that. <laughs> it was Carlos's question, and no, I'm no, taking no, no, credit no, no, for no, it. No, don't worry. That's, <laughs> we were just thinking, how? I mean, you are talking about responsibility, Jeremy, and that's, of course, something that companies need to think of when they are going to be taking personal information. So how can that happen? So how is it that they can have trackers in their websites that they are not aware of, based on your experience? Yeah, it's a great question, and... You know, I don't think it's the website owner's fault. I think that there are expectations of having functionality by, let's say, you know, Facebook or even YouTube. Um, I need yeah. a video player on my website or uh, there's, a, there's a tool for scheduling meetings, right? I want to have an appointment scheduler on my website. So I use this third-party tool that allows me to, you know, set up a calendar appointment on my website. Like their, their intention of using these third-party tools 
is to get functionality. Yeah. What the web developer may not understand is what data is actually being sent back in a back channel from the website to that third party provider. So let's just say that at the, at the hospital website, that the intention was, hey, patient of hospital.com, um, if you want to connect with other patients on Facebook, you know, here's our Facebook page for the hospital. And that way you can build a sense of community of people who may be in chemotherapy or they may be doing other, you know, I don't know, some sort of treatment and they want to, and they want to connect with other patients who have similar mm -hmm. issues. Facebook's a great way to build that community. However, if Facebook is actually monitoring what you're doing on that website and capturing that data, and the next time you happen to just be visiting Facebook and you start seeing ads for things about the conditions you are researching on that hospital website, it's a little creepy and definitely a violation of privacy. So I don't think the hospital knew that that's what Facebook was going to do by providing the ability to connect with their Facebook community for the hospital, but an awful lot of data was going from hospital site yeah. visitors to the social network. You know what, I think that's pretty interesting because in, in our experience, something that is common, uh, I will say a hidden risk that is there, but not everyone is aware of that, is the relationship with third parties and how those relationships with third parties can compromise the uh, level of protection you're offering to your personal information. Now, that, that's, that's great. Uh, Jeremy, who, who do you see as your competition? The bad guys. <laughs> no, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's true. The data are, brokers. Right? Like that's, that, that's really who we're up against. But I think the biggest, the biggest competitor is inactivity, lack of awareness, right? Like we're up against a, an environment where, you know, commercial interest outweighs responsible software development. But there are lots of good companies out there who are doing things to protect website activity. There are companies in our space like Perimeter X and SourcePoint and OneTrust that are all trying to help companies improve their privacy posture, improve their privacy operations, improve how they manage, store, collect, and use customer or patient or student information. I think where, we, where we're unique is that we're very much a transaction-based tool. It's every web session, every browser session with a website can be protected with Locker when the website installs Locker software on their end of it. There's nothing for the consumer to put into their browser. There's nothing for a plugin or an extension or anything like that. It's just a simple JavaScript that goes onto the publisher's website so that every time somebody visits that website, they're protected. So it's a really thin, lightweight approach to protecting what we call the client side you know, inside the browser. And that's where we're pretty unique. There are, there are many companies who are doing detection, right? Let's find out what cookies, what trackers, what scripts are running on your site. We're unique in the fact that we provide client-side protection in every session. You know, the, the, the bad guys use JavaScript to collect and store, package, and resell data. We're using JavaScript in the way that it should be used, which is to provide protection and control for the company. Perfect. Thank you. It's been, yeah. it's been great to hear your story and how you came to this idea and where you are right now. So the question is, 
what's the future for you? What's the future for Locker? What do you see happening for the company in the time to come? Yeah, sure. I, there's a, a couple of things. One is, you know, we need to get widely distributed, right? We think that we have a, a great lightweight solution that's easy to implement and does not impact an existing website operation. We don't affect anything that gets presented on the site. So it's easy for our customers to implement it. You know, and we hope the fact that it's a, a lightweight, no code implementation that lots of companies will take this on and publish websites more effectively. We hope that we start a snowball effect where other companies come in and also help organizations build more safe and privacy compliant web experiences. But it has to go beyond the web too, right? So we see ourselves, how we're going to get involved in the mobile application environment, right? Which is, has very different dependencies on information that gets tracked. I'm sure you're all aware of the ability for the telecommunications networks and the handset manufacturers and the operating systems, whether it's Android or iOS, right? They have lots of access to our personal information and location. And we have to figure out how do we create a more private and safe mobile environment, you know, so that that's sort of an evolution beyond what's, what's on websites. And then the other piece of it, I would say is, you know, how do we integrate this into lots of other functionality in the world of internet of things? So those of you that have ring doorbells or mm -hmm. a Alexa or other devices in your home that are constantly connected, how do you make sure that those things are not being used to collect data. And this speaks to like where, where, where everything is going, where you look at giants like Amazon snapping up healthcare companies, the Roomba, right? Amazon bought Roomba, not because they're so concerned about making sure everybody's house is clean, um, but I think they're going to be collecting information about what's going on in the home, right? And so all of these these bits of internet connectivity become sources of data enrichment for companies wanting to understand who their customers are and how to take advantage of that. And I'm, I'm really ashamed to admit this, but recently I plugged in my Alexa, not because I wanted it, but my wife really wanted it. And over time, she's just been chipping away slowly, trying to convince me to start using an Alexa. And the value proposition is there and it's great, right? Like it's amazing not having to look at a screen to play music or ask the translation of some words, you know? I love the idea of having something like Locker make these technologies safer for consumers to use and protect us more from this massive data sharing and data broker economy that exists. Are you looking at other platforms as well? I, I don't really know how this would work. You're the expert with respect to your tech, but what about the metaverse? Is there something there with respect to the metaverse and Locker? Yeah, 100%. And I, you know, in some ways, it really is just another extension of the internet publishers or content publishers, or in this case, you know, metaverse publishers who are creating these worlds, right? It's the same motion of how are we watching what these activities are inside of our world and then customizing things for our visitors. And there's definitely going to be the need to monitor and put controls in place as to how much of that information gets shared with third parties. Because there's some expectation that if I'm participating or my avatar is participating inside a virtual world that 
yeah, that world is going to cater things to me and understand my interests and introduce things to me that, you know, will be more customized. At the same time, I would like to be able to control that I'm not going to be sharing information outside of that world that will show up in other parts of my life. And that's the important thing is that there's an agreement between a user entering a world and what that experience is going to be and how that translates out into the real world of who I am in, you know, in the real world and, and how I live my life. I think there's a lot of sense of fantasy of what goes on in the metaverse that for it to be safe and trusted has to be separated from who I am and what I do in the real world. Making sure that those lines don't get blurred is a big part of how private data is contained to the virtual world and doesn't start to infiltrate, you know, or, or follow me in the real world. And the problems might be exacerbated with respect to the metaverse because, so on the internet, a website can track what you click on and use that as a proxy of where your eyes are going. But in the metaverse, they'll be able to track many different categories, right? So your physical movements, where you're either actually going and looking, how long you spend looking at something, whether possibly whether your pupils dilate. And I think <laughs> this is a great segue into my next question for you, Jeremy, is that what are some of the big challenges in the industry and in privacy today? You've already identified, I think, a number of them, right? One is there's a lack of knowledge. Companies, people, they don't really know how some of these technologies work and how they're sharing data. And most importantly, how it's impacting them on a day-to-day. -day. Most people just tell me, Fahad, what do I care if I, somebody's observing how I behave? Maybe I'll get a few more ads for Big Mac. Uh, another thing that I think you touched upon is that I think there's a lack of trust, right? I think we are ignorant about how these technologies work, but at the same time, uh, we know enough to be skeptical and we've kind of mm -hmm. just resigned to this notion that, <laughs> look, I know things aren't great, but what, I'm not going to use Alexa? That, that doesn't make sense. And we know that. And you also mentioned this earlier. I think that there's these deep vested interests in the industry to maintain the status quo, right? Uh, this is a profitable avenue for many companies to take is to collect and share data indiscriminately. So, what are your thoughts? What are some of the big challenges today or what you foresee coming in the future? And how do you think we can tackle them? Yeah, you raise all the right points. And that complacency, I think, really comes from a lack of understanding. And so, you know, the most important thing that I think we can do at this stage of the evolution of our digital economy is focus on transparency. When we talk about things like privacy and security, they're really abstract. What we're doing at Locker and the, and the way we built our software and the way we focus on privacy is all about quantifying it, right? Specificity. We're not talking about privacy, right? We, we are measuring and protecting on nine areas, right? And so we specify what is malware, which is malicious software, cookies, fingerprinters, trackers. We look for and count and report on very specific elements. So it's not privacy, 
It's these things are the elements that make up compromises of security and privacy. Let's constantly watch and measure and control these specific things, all of which I put into this bowl of transparency. If we can give website owners, companies, visibility to these nine metrics, then they can have control. If we just talk to them about privacy, it's very hard to get your arms around that and do anything differently tomorrow than what you're doing today. So we're starting with very specific focused monitoring and controls over these nine elements that represent privacy and security on the website. So to your question, it's about transparency and about specificity and about quantifying where these risks are. That's going to take us, I don't know, three years if we're successful in getting thousands of large companies to monitor their web activity on these nine metrics, that will be a huge leap forward from constantly publishing websites, constantly collecting data, and in reaction to legislation, you know, trying to clean things up, it'll be near impossible. But if we can give them very clear metrics and tools to control those nine areas, we're going to make huge progress. So that's, that's the first thing that privacy has to be, has to be transparent and has to be specified. With that, I think the companies have to talk to their customers or their students or their patients, let's call them constituents, and let them know what they're doing. It can't be cookie consent, right? Cookie consent doesn't really explain to their visitors what they're doing on their website. It has to be like, you know what, we're not going to put the onus on you. Here's what we've done on our website to make sure you're having a safe experience, right? It's almost like you don't want to get into a vehicle and consent to the fact that, yeah, I know this car might cause me to die, but I'm going to take that risk and not put my seatbelt on. Well, no, cars, not car manufacturers, put seatbelts in cars for a reason. <laughs> and laws were made to say you need to put your seatbelt on. And if you don't put your seatbelt on, there's going to be consequences because we realize as a society that being safe is better, right? Being safe is less expensive than covering all these medical bills. Being safe with all these cars on the road, with airbags now and seatbelts, it's like it's up to the manufacturer of those vehicles to put those things in place. And so we kind of see it this way, right? Locker is the seatbelt for the internet. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that, uh, that analogy. And I also love your approach. It's taking something as abstract as privacy and protecting our information. And you're breaking it down into nine elements and saying, hey, look, let's focus on these nine specific elements and let's measure them. I think that makes it for the general public a lot more understandable. And even for companies, it's a lot more understandable. It's a lot more digestible. And it's something that they can use to measure how they're currently doing and how well they're progressing. So I love that, Jeremy. I think it's a great point. Thank you. That's, and that's the biggest challenge, right? Is that when you have something so complex, how do you simplify it? And we're not trying to boil the ocean, right? We came out with a product that's focused on a very specific problem because we think that this is where the greatest success can happen is that if companies take responsibility for their websites and monitor these nine areas, then so many other things downstream don't happen. We're not focused on what's going on on the server side. We're not focused back in on preventing you know, attacks to a, to a web server. 
we are focused on what happens in the browser interaction. And when you think about it, it's like when you look at some of these sites that that you know, like a, like a CVS or a Rite Aid or a Walgreens, where there's you know 60 million customer interactions a month. That's 60 million vulnerabilities every month because every browser session introduces more scripts, more trackers, more cookies. And month after month after month, that's a lot of risk. If we can address privacy at the front door where the customer meets the brand on the website, then you know we're removing a lot of downstream risk. It's not a simple solution, but we've simplified it, I think, to the best of our ability to give the company the power to reduce the risk of privacy data sharing and exploitation of their customers so meet them at the front door right where they're coming on your website 60 million times a month jeremy thank you so much i think that more than one of our listeners will be interested in continuing the conversation with you so yeah. if anyone there wants to talk to you how can they approach you how can they find you well, thanks for asking. I mean, certainly uh, come visit us online at, at locker.com. That's L-O-K-K-E-R.com. And you certainly can find us on LinkedIn. We're constantly publishing information, articles that we think are relevant, things that we publish ourselves, videos that we share. Locker on LinkedIn is a great place to, to get information about us. Yeah, those are probably the best ways to, to see what we're up to. Perfect. Thank you. And Jeremy, we are closing the session shortly. Is there any additional message you have for our listeners? That's a good question. I think that we all have obligations to be, you know, responsible netizens, right? And to and to be knowledgeable. But I think mostly it's let's hold the organizations that we do business with or that we're involved with. Let's Let's hold them accountable for, for taking care of us online and to talk to our, the people that we rely on, service providers or our customers, to ensure that you know, they're providing the kind of experience that you want. And if you feel uncomfortable or aren't sure what's happening, that you let them know that you want them to do better. As consumers, we have a lot of power. And I think if, if you're not happy with the experience you're getting, Vote with your wallet and stop using those services. You know, we need the power of the people here to stand up and say, we're not, we're not going to take it anymore. We don't want to be exploited and we don't want to use these services that are not taking our security and our privacy seriously. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. That was a very powerful closing message. And talking about the power of people, this message goes to our listeners. If there's any specific topic or any particular guest you want us to go to, just please let us know. We have a couple of sessions that are already scheduled that are going to be very exciting. I don't want to say anything in order to avoid spoiling that, but they will be as exciting as the one we just had today. If you want to share information, share ideas, or share thoughts on potential guests or topics, feel free to look for me on LinkedIn or Twitter as Carlos Chalico. And Fahad, how can they find you? As Fahad Diwan on LinkedIn or Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Jeremy, so much for attending. And thank you to our producer, Sophia, for producing this podcast.